Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to be telling you guys about the murder of Grace Mullane. So get yourself some fire department coffee, and let's dive in. I do want to come in right before we start this episode and let you guys know that when I'm going to be referring to the perpetrator in this episode, I am going to be calling him unnamed. This is due to family's request of not using his name, and I will go into that further later. 21-year-old Grace Mullane lived in Essex, United Kingdom with her family. In September of 2018, she graduated with a marketing degree from the University of Lincoln and decided that she was going to set out on a backpacking trip that was going to go to Peru and then New Zealand. At the end of September 2018, she did post on Twitter, quote, less than a month and counting, end quote. And then right as she was getting ready to leave, she did post a gif that said, quote, I'm going on an adventure, end quote. Her friends and family all knew that she was very excited for this trip, and she was going independently on this backpacking trip. Grace headed out on her backpacking trip on October 26, 2018, and like I said, she went to Peru first. She did arrive in Auckland, New Zealand on November 19th, 2018. She was staying at the Base Backpackers Hostel, which is apparently a really popular place for tourists to visit and to stay at when they're there. On Saturday, December 1st, 2018, the night before her 22nd birthday, she decided that she was going to go out on a date with a guy that she had met on Tinder. While she was out on a date with this guy, she ends up messaging one of her friends saying, quote, I click with him so well, end quote. And no one ended up hearing from her for the rest of the night. And the next day, which, like I said, was her 22nd birthday, people had been texting her, calling her, trying to wish her a happy birthday, and she did not respond to any of the messages. So family started to get concerned. And it was concern enough that her dad ended up flying from Essex to New Zealand to see if he could find her to see what was going on. Good dad. I'm pretty sure, like, if I were traveling by myself backpacking somewhere else and my family didn't hear from me like a whole day they would be really concerned too sweetie your mom would come after (laughs) you if she didn't hear from you in an hour she's she's been known if i don't respond to her within a couple hours she will text somebody (laughs) who talks to me often and be like have you is abby okay (laughs) yeah abby and i'll go out places and then her mom will text and be like is abby still okay she hasn't responded in 30 minutes (laughs) yep But yes, that would be your mother who would be out there in a minute. But here's the thing. And like, I know we don't talk every day, but if for some reason I texted you and you went a full day without responding, like I would have called you at some point. And if you also didn't respond, I would be concerned. Yeah, I did that once. Yeah, and I was concerned. Grace's mom was not able to fly out to New Zealand with her dad because she was recovering from surgery for her cancer that she had. Once her dad had arrived, police honestly had no good news for him. They led him to they ended up leading him to her body that they had found which they had found in some bushes which was about 30 feet from the road in the Waitakere ranges which is where some people like to go hiking 
her body had been stuffed in a suitcase and it was apparent that she had been strangled to death. To fill in some of the gaps, Grace had been reported missing by her parents and they had immediately started searching for her. And it was at this time, pretty quickly after she was reported missing, that Unnamed was actually interviewed for the first time. So he had been identified by a detective as a person of interest because this detective had seen that he had left a message on her Facebook page at 9.29 p.m. on December 1st. And he wrote beautiful, very radiant under one of her profile pictures. So the next morning, the detective reached out and unnamed told the detective that he had met Grace that night and they had gone out on a date and then they parted ways around 10 o'clock at night. And that was the last time he saw her. I'm surprised. Like, I mean, it's kind of like a bold move to just outright say I went out with her and was the last person that saw her. It is, but I think that they kind of knew that at that point. And if they didn't, they did pretty quickly after. So what occurred next was the detective called him to schedule a meeting. And he's like, I'll come in for a formal statement later in the day. But before he had had the chance to come in, there was an officer that had seen him at the City Life Hotel. And the officer thought it was kind of strange. So... They basically chased him down and just brought him in for an interview right then and there. He once again told them the story. He'd gone out with her. They had spent the evening together and then he left around 10. But, Abby, you will be excited. Police were able to find security footage from multiple locations. Enough to piece together their date night and what happened after. Oh my god. That never happens. Literally never. I have an entire timeline for you that comes from the security cameras and security footage that they were able to find. Thank goodness. That seriously just never happens in our episodes. No, I always have terrible news when it comes to security footage. Not that this news is much better, but at least we have some security footage that we are able to go off of and either corroborate or destroy unnamed story. So, camera footage shows that the night of December 1st, Unnamed had gone to a local bar called the Bluestone Room, which is right next to the City Life Hotel, where he was living at this time. And within a 30-minute time period, he had downed four bottles of beer and then went to the Sky Tower, which is supposedly a really high populated area. It's really popular to go visit if you are in New Zealand. So they decided that they're, that's where they were going to meet. Once they first got there, they did hug as shown by the camera. Like I'd said, they had been talking on Tinder. I don't know exactly how long they'd been talking on Tinder, but they at least had some sort of connection and knew a little bit about each other at this point. The two of them went to a burger restaurant in a bar on the first floor of the building. And then... This is all on camera. So one of the links in our description is actually going to have the link to the YouTube video where all of this footage can be found. As they're going to the burger and bar, they are talking with each other. You can see it. They're very chatty. Everything seems to be fine. What you'd expect for a first date. They go up to the bar, order cocktails, and then they go over to a table to continue talking. Once they finish their cocktail, Unnamed pays for the drinks. And an hour and a half later, they leave the bar. 
head outside and go to a restaurant that was about less than a block away called the Mexican Cafe. They spent another hour and 25 minutes-ish in there where they had two jugs of margarita and a jug of sangria. After they finished their drinks at the Mexican Cafe, unnamed pays for the bill again, and then they head to the Bluestone Room, the same bar that he had been at earlier in the night where he had drank four beers in 30 minutes. Once they're inside this bar, there is once again a camera that sees them sitting at a table, ordering more drinks, and just continuing to talk about life. The footage shows the two of them pretty relaxed and just having like fun, basically. It's just like they're really out on a first date. Around 8.40 p.m., the camera footage shows Unnamed putting his hand behind Grace's head and pulling her forward for a kiss. Then over the next hour or so, they kiss multiple times. And at one point, they stop kissing for a little bit. And Unnamed walks out of the shot of the camera so you can't see him anymore. And at that point, Grace checks her phone. And that at that point is when she was sending her message to her friend where she had said, quote, I click with him so well. Then at that point, Unnamed comes back into the, the shot. Grace walks out of the shot and Unnamed checks his phone. It is at this point that he is posting the message on Facebook, on Grace's wall. Shortly after 930, the camera footage shows both of them leaving the bar and it picks them back up in the lobby of the City Life Hotel that he's living at. Shows them entering the elevator and unnamed tries to find his key card and then they head towards room 308. Those are what we have from camera footage, which is a hell of a lot more than we've ever gotten in any of our other episodes, except for maybe the Chris Watts one. What is known from the point after they enter room 308 is that unnamed strangled Grace and kind of just left her there for a while. He did not call emergency services at any point in time to request for any assistance, which is an important thing to note at the moment. Then at about 1.30 in the morning on Sunday morning, Unnamed does a couple internet searches, including Hottest Fire and Waitakere Ranges. So kind of suspicious internet searches, if I do say so myself. Yeah, um, especially in comparison with the story and what's going on. It's not, not a comforting search history. And it gets worse. The next thing he proceeded to look up was Pornhub so that he could watch porn. At that point, he took seven intimate photographs with Grace's body. And I'm not even going to get into details of those shots because none of us want to know what they were. The next morning, there is camera footage that shows him leaving his room and going to a store to buy a suitcase, then going to a supermarket to buy some cleaning supplies. And then he went to a car rental place and rented a car. So, I mean, already we have a pretty cut and dry case against him for when it goes to court. Also, just a quick question, and I doubt you know the answer. If... A car rental service has a car that's used to move a murdered person's body. Do you think they just clean it and keep using it? Or do they, like, not use that car? You mean if they know that the body was in there? Well, yeah, they find out later from the story and everything. Obviously, the court 
probably contacted them to get records. I would say that it would be confiscated by detectives for a long period of time. And a lot of time that stuff is held for evidence for years and years. So I doubt they would even get the chance to have the car back. Okay, good, solid point you made. But then that leads me to wonder, like, you, how long do they keep evidence? And like, what do they do with it after? Burn it? They have evidence storage lockers. I know, but like, once you're like, well past. I don't know an exact date for how long they keep evidence. And it could vary between the United States yeah. and New Zealand anyways. Oh, right. Um, I do know it's long long periods of time especially unsolved cases for example i mean obviously solved cases i don't know if it's i doubt it's like immediately after because we've had cases that have been solved and then later appealed and yeah i wonder if um, it's like you've solved it they're in prison like maybe after like everyone immediately involved has passed away or if there's a certain time limit it's just that's it makes me wonder like what's a safe time frame yeah, unsolved ones, I'm sure they keep it. Just keep it. <laughs> so there was... I just did a quick Google search. Um, and it looks like... This one's showing me Houston, Texas. They have evidence that dates back to 1970s. Still. That's honestly... That's... that's. I would have expected it to be earlier than that to keep it. Like, my brain goes to 100 years. Because then you're typically well past any living person still not necessarily obviously people live to be over 100 but for the most part you're past like that time frame of people being involved in the case still being alive i would agree i would assume that it's gonna vary case by case yeah and jurisdiction obviously like and yeah i mean and obviously like we talked about unsolved cases that's going to be kept way longer but yeah i don't know the exact length of time that evidence is kept when he rented the car, he did end up renting a red Toyota hatchback car. And then he went back to the apartment to clean up the crime scene, basically. The next morning, Grace was still laying in unnamed's room. And he ends up texting another girl that he had met on Tinder and talks to her. And he's like, hey, let's go on a date later today. And she ends up agreeing to go on this date. And... She ends up coming out and talking about this way later on in the case, but I'm going to talk about it now because it occurred on this day, which would have been December 2nd. So unnamed in this girl had been talking for multiple weeks at this point, and she'd kind of been really not interested in meeting up with the guy at first because she didn't really know much about him. And so she was hesitant to meet up with somebody that she didn't know. She said that he seemed like a nice guy, seemed kind of normal. And the only thing that was a little odd was that he got, he was really persistent with sending multiple texts a day. And then if she didn't reply, he would kind of get upset and continue to text her repeatedly. And so she was kind of nervous about the date just because of that. But she decided maybe he was just nervous as well. And that was how he was acting out of nervousness. So she said around nine o'clock on December 2nd, he texted her and said, good morning. How are you? And then at 1030, he texted her again. And then she ended up agreeing to go on the date with him that afternoon. So they went to a bar called Reverly. This girl said that their date was pretty normal. She said that when they were talking about friends and stuff, he had mentioned that a lot of his friends were police officers. And he said that it 
because his friends were police officers, they were having a tough time because of bodies that had been going missing in the Rotakery ranges, which was odd to kind of just mention that. He also told her during their conversation that police dogs can only smell four feet deep. So if bodies are buried deeper than that, they can't find them. Sure, normal, you know, first date talk. See, okay. Well, I thought the same thing in the sarcastic way that you meant that. And then I was like, crap. Yeah. I know how I am. Yeah. We do talk true crime quite often. We do. And if people don't know that we are interested, like if people don't know us, then they could be taken creepy. Yeah. And so this girl thought that it was an odd fact, but she's like, it's kind of interesting, you know, like. And apparently while they were on the date, Unnamed told her about a story about a friend of his that had been involved in consensual rough sex and his girlfriend ended up dying. And he said, it's just crazy how a guy can make a mistake and then go to jail for the rest of his life, which is just really odd first date talk at this point. Also, no, there's like there's rough sex. Obviously, everyone has their kinks, but that's a far stretch from literally going to the point where you murder somebody and it's not an accident no and honestly i think people who are like interested in that kind of like sexual activity would take offense to someone trying to claim it that way i absolutely think that they would because it's not it's not two in the same like those are two very different situations exactly i mean everybody has their limit and if you want one thing you're i mean no matter what you're asking for you're most likely not asking for death, right? Unless you're specifically coming out and say, hey, kill me. Like, you're not asking for death. And this is a consent thing just as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. So she said that on the date then, at this point, she started to get really uncomfortable and was like, kind of need to leave. So she kind of tried to end the conversation. And as they were leaving, he was like, my car's this way. And she said that her car was down that same road that where he was going, but her instincts were telling her do not go with him and so she's like my car's this way and went the opposite way of him so after the date he goes back to his room in the hotel and it's about 5 45 and he had rented a rug doctor which will clean your carpet really well so he had told the people he rented it from that it was to remove a red wine stain and at this point he parked his rental car outside of the hotel got a cart from the reception, went upstairs and came out of his room and back down to the lobby with the cart. And he had two large suitcases on it. One of them being the one that he had purchased earlier in the day. He puts both the suitcases into this car and ends up parking the car with both suitcases in it. And then the next day around 6.15 in the morning, he is caught on footage again leaving the hotel and driving away in his car and then stopping at a store to buy a shovel. And then he goes to the Watukkery Ranges and he leaves the suitcase there with Grace's body. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. 
So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. So now I'm jumping back again. So basically what had happened was they police had interviewed unnamed and he had said that he had left Grace around 10 o'clock that night and then didn't see him again and then didn't see her again. But between that one and a little bit later, police end up getting all of this footage that I just went through and they piece everything together basically and bring him in for a second interview. And they, I think they probably were just like, look, dude, we have you on footage. Like there's no denying what occurred. And so he ends up admitting that he killed Grace and he says that they were having sex and she asked him to choke her in an attempt to make sex more pleasurable and she accidentally died. I had a feeling that's where this was going to go in my comment earlier stance. Yeah, I was honestly really angry when I read this because a lot of news articles that I was seeing were all titled Grace dies due to sexual kink or sexual pleasure turns to death. Like it was all saying that she died because she had asked for this sexual gesture. There is no proof that that is what happened in the first place. And even if there was, I don't give a damn. It is not an excuse for him to have murdered her. Yeah, there's, like I said earlier, there's a extreme difference. Also, even let's say, let's just say it's an accident. Like he did accidentally kill her in something which I don't believe is even a thing. He still like took photographs with her body, went out and purchased stuff and like took her body and threw it out somewhere basically. Like even even if you accidentally kill someone by taking those actions afterwards, that's not okay. And as I mentioned, there was no call to emergency services. Right. Yeah, and if like you realize you went too far in that kind of situation, you would you would call someone. At this point, I mean, a little bit later on, and a few months later, he ends up going to trial for the murder of Grace Mullane. And this trial ends up lasting for three weeks. One of the things that a doctor that performed the autopsy says during the trial is that based on the indications of her death and the damage or the injuries to her body, he would have had to physically choke her forcefully for four to five minutes for her to have died. Abby, have you accidentally ever done something for four to five minutes? Uh, no. I haven't either. Anybody else listening to the podcast ever done something accidentally for four to five minutes? Please let us know in the comments. But I can't, it, even in the trial, he tried to stick with this story that he had accidentally killed her while engaging in sex. And it just pisses me off. According to people that have been at the trial, it looks like Unnamed was basically showing no remorse at any point during the trial. At one point, one of the judges, he actually yelled at them and said, quote, you have no reason to convict me. You're full of shit, mate, end quote. And I think he was just angry that he got caught. It was reported that after Unnamed received his sentence of 17 years in prison without parole for murdering Grace Mullane, he did leave for a while and then came back rubbing his eyes and apparently it looked like he'd been crying. 
whether or not that was real, I doubt it was any sort of remorse for murdering Grace. I'm assuming it was, shit, I have to spend time in prison, and I'm upset about that. Also, 17 years, that's it? I, yeah, I wanted to talk about that, too. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that... Why 17 years only? Man, we won't go into it too deep, because we have before, but I just don't understand sentencing. I don't either. And the thing is, it's not only murder he also completely destroyed the crime scene mm-hmm. like he he tampered with everything and now he yeah well and, and mutilated her body some, to an extent yeah. with the photos that he took he did mutilate the body so around the same time unnamed ended up also having to go to court for two other rape charges one that had happened between November of 2016 and April of 2017, and then one that had happened in April of 2018. Both of these being women that he had met on Tinder as well, which kind of makes sense because it shows the escalation. He had the two rape charges. One of them, he threatened them with a knife. So between the initial court case for the murder of Grace and the court case for the, the rapes of the other two women unnamed had requested to not be named to the public and they ended up granting that for him because they basically said that they were doing it to protect his identity so that during the second case they the jury wouldn't charge him just based on his original case abby tell me what you i know that we are referring to him as unnamed in this episode and you don't know his name. I mean, if honestly, if you guys, you guys can obviously look this up and his name is out there. I'm not, doing it out of respect yeah. to the family, not because I don't believe he like his name should be drugged through the mud and everybody should know what a piece of shit he is. But what do you think about somebody being charged with a murder and then their name being protected? I get it in the sense of not for him, but I understand not wanting like any issues in convicting him again for something in regards to jury and media. But like, there's other ways to handle that. And like, I just feel like if he asked for that, like out of spite, like we need to say no. But yeah, like Erica said, it, the family does, I understand a hundred percent what the family is saying. And it's the same thing with like mass shooters. Like sometimes their names aren't released because they're looking for that attention and we don't want to give them anything because they truly are nothing when you're that kind of person. I 100% agree with that. He continuously asked for extensions on keeping his name secretive. And they gave him small extensions, but they were like, as soon as your rape trial is over, your name is being released. Like, we're not like we're not hiding that for forever. So, with those charges, he was sentenced to 11 years in prison to be served concurrently why (laughs) i got nothing absolutely nothing getting 11 years on a rape charge is like a substantial amount considering most that go to court that even make it to court yes it is for two and the one there was violence he had held a knife to her his full charges were threatening to kill and assault with a weapon. That was two separate charges. Three charges of assaulting a female. Sexual violation by unlawful sexual connection. That was also two charges. So he had quite a few charges on him, which I think is what made it an 11-year sentence, but served concurrently. After Grace had been murdered, 
the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, actually apologized to Grace's parents, saying, quote, your daughter should have been safe here. She wasn't. And I'm sorry for that. End quote. And that just broke my heart. Because first off, obviously, it's not the prime minister couldn't have done really anything. I mean, it'd be fantastic if we could have a single person that could screen for people that are going to become a sociopath later on in life and actually act on their murderous tendencies. But we don't have anybody that can pinpoint that, obviously. The prime minister came forward mainly because it's a big tourist area. And so tons of people come there all the time. And she's like, it's typically a safe place. And, you know, I think she probably... I think they probably felt bad about what had happened. Grace's dad, David, ended up dying in November of 2020 from cancer. This was after the trial, after he had sat through listening to Unname, not even speak at the trial, really. I don't know why I said listening, but he did sit through the trial for his daughter. Um, This was prior to Unnamed's name being released. The a quote from the family about kind of why we're calling him unnamed is they said that using his name has, quote, allowed people to remember Grace, a young, vibrant girl who set out to see the world instead of the man who took her life. To use his name shows we care and gives him the notoriety he seeks. We instead choose to speak Grace's name, end quote. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. Also, all of our sources can be found in the show notes of each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. Donations are greatly appreciated and assist in making the podcast possible. Other ways to support us include recommending us to friends and family, giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening medium. So again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 